You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, welcome to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I am Grant Goldberg, joined by Spike Friedman. And before we get into the show, you can find us on Twitter at Grant Goldberg, at Spike Friedman, and at Locked Seahawks is the show's Twitter handle. You can find us on Spotify now. We've been all our Ooh. content moved to Spotify. So if that's your preferred uh, podcast listening app, then go ahead and take advantage of that. It's very exciting. It's I a, am a, another I audience. Pay- I pay for Spotify, but I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify. So I mean, you, know. you have the option to. You can hear your yeah. own voice through your speakers, through your headphones, whatever, in the car. Uh, Anyways. Well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Oh, my God. Our egos oh, aren't that shit. big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. To that Last weekend was the conference championship games. The Seahawks were not featured in any of them as they did not make the playoffs. Uh, it's week you know, 492 of Seahawks football. Uh, we're still trucking through, and uh, the the final scores were were. I think it was like not opposite of what I expected, but uh, the Vikings were blown out by the Eagles, and then it came down to the wire for for Pats and Jags with the Patriots, Patriots winning, the the Eagles winning, and so that's the Super Bowl. It's a rematch of what two thousand and three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I and, remember that game. I was in Massachusetts for that game, and let me tell you, uh, Patriots fans at the time were just beginning to get insufferable. <laughs> Wait, that was their third one, right? When, when did they beat the Panthers? What order was that? I think it was, all right, so oh, oh, 2 the Bucks one, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so, and then... It was well, it was, it was January of oh, 03. The I Bucks. think they beat the, the, the Panthers the year after. Got it. So, yeah, so this is the second title. So, yeah, so Patriots fans were not particularly insufferable yet. They had just been humbled in the in the uh, ALCS with the Aaron Boone home run by the Yankees. So it was it was really a golden era of Boston fans still being vaguely relatable. Right. Little little did we know that uh, it <laughs> blossom into this. But, uh, yeah, we're going to see the, the Eagles and Patriots in the Super Bowl. We're going to talk a little bit about each game. Uh, what happened in them, and then we got something a little fun. We're gonna we're gonna vote on uh, the Locked On NFL Awards. So we're gonna go category by category in the show, uh, explaining who we voted for, and then uh, in a couple days or a week or so, we're gonna we're gonna show the results to you guys. So it's very exciting. It's something new. We're gonna do it live on air with you guys. So if you disagree with anybody we voted for, you can always hit us up on Twitter or leave it even in a review. But Spike, some football happened this weekend, yeah. and we're going to talk about it. Uh, yeah, I think the place to start is the first game, the fun game. Jaguars-Patriots were fun until uh, until Blake Bortles' dreams were crushed by Stephon Gilmore's outstretched hand. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting game. I thought uh, Bortles played okay, Fournette played okay, but it really came down to... Is similar to all the other Patriots comebacks where a really good athletic defense is able to get pressure, able to bend but not break against the Patriots for a while, and then eventually breaks as they are wont to do. What was surprising was that it happened after Rob Gronkowski was knocked out of the game with a concussion. Yeah, it, it was like 
the Patriots summoned extra devil magic just to make that comeback happen. It's 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 something that felt inevitable almost after like some Jaguars drives fizzled out and you see you know the Patriots getting more and more opportunities to uh, close the gap and then eventually take the lead and then place the game in Blake Bortles' hands. And uh, that's not something I want to do in a conference championship game. No. No, not at all. Well, and like, man, it, it's a bummer because the Jaguars did enough to win. You know, Miles Jack's crazy fumble recovery. He was marked down at the spot, but in fact, he returned the ball. And, you know, I don't know if he would have brought it back for a touchdown, but he certainly would have brought it back in a field goal range. But they weren't able to review that. There were a couple weird, questionable penalties that went the Patriots' way. They only got one penalty called on yeah. them because... We live in hell world where the Patriots get everything, uh, and like, yeah, they play cleaner. But also, my God, we we saw like, we saw the ref. I know, like, this is like yeah. big on Twitter, but we saw the referee cheering after they scored and <laughs> and congratulating Brady after the game. And so, like, it fuels speculation about you know rigging games. Obviously, we're not gonna get put on our no, yeah. hats I, or anything like that. But it's it's funny to see, given the narrative with the Patriots and everything that's happened over the you know the uh, their reign of dominance in the NFL. Yeah, I'll say man, Bortles hit some good passes. Yeah. I mean, you saw the good and the bad from him. Uh, he made some good throws. He's still down Allen Robinson, who, given his inaccuracy, is a super crucial part of that offense. Exactly. Uh, the Jags D played well. Like they were able for most of the game to get pressure on Brady. They were able to pretty much contain New England's rushing attack until very late. Uh, Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bouye were actually the least of it in the end. I mean, Bouye had that awful pass interference called against him in the first half that turned a likely field goal into a touchdown. But the secondary didn't really show out against a good but not great. Pat's receiving core so much as the linebackers and defensive line really showed up. Telvin Smith was everywhere. Oh, yeah. It seemed like they wanted to keep getting him in bad matchups. The Patriots succeeded in doing that, and yet he really held his own. It was, it was a really impressive game where the linebackers for the Jaguars had to step up because the schemes were going to create those sort of mismatches. But then it didn't matter in the end because... Yeah. Uh, Blake Bortles, y'all. Blake Bortles. Right. I mean, and, he's... And, and he made strides this year. You know, given the narrative on Blake Bortles and given the good and the bad, there was more good than any other year than he's played. Gotta upgrade that position. If they exactly. move on from some spots, they could have $55 million in cap room heading into next year with all of their Pro Bowl talent under contract. All they have to do is go... I mean, like, get Kirk Cousins. Get Kirk Cousins. Just do it, man. Just fix it, Jaguars. Get a real quarterback in there. And plus, God. like we 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 debated this, and if they had Eli Manning, Eli Manning in a championship game versus oh. the Patriots. Oh, oh, that's the chef kissing fingers gesture. God, they'd have they'd have won that game. They'd have oh, won the game, but won. you know they didn't, and they were a few points away from the Super Bowl. So going from what four and twelve to you know the AFC Championship game uh, uh, with the last drive in their hands, you know that's a yeah. great step for the for the Jaguars and the NFL because you want more competition, and it's good to see a good young team make some noise. Uh, yep. Yeah, so that covers it for the first game, and after this short break, we'll get into what happened in Vikings Eagles. 
Welcome back to the Locked on Seahawks podcast, Grant Goldberg, Spike Friedman, and uh, the NFC Championship game wasn't so good. Uh, no, it, it had the makings for, for a good game uh, in the first quarter, and yeah. then it, it went downhill from there. The Vikings went down, they marched down the field, scored an opening drive touchdown, and that was the last points that they would score in the rest of the game. They were outscored 38-0. to zero. Yeah. Oof. And honestly, the 38 of that is more surprising than the zero, mostly because Philadelphia is rolling out Nick Foles at quarterback. But he had the game. He had a game. He had a game. He was delivering balls to Torrey Smith, Smith Zach Ertz, and Alshon Jeffrey, just right on the money, contested catch. You know, he's putting it right where only his receiver could get it. His stat line, uh, which I'll pull up, but it was like 30, 30 was, completions, 324 yeah, yards. I'll put on my Gruden hat. I'll put on my Gruden hat. I'll tell you what, man. Uh-oh. Nick Foles, he can throw a ball. But we saw, we saw yeah. his, his stat line could have been even better if not if Tory if Tory Smith hadn't dropped that ball. And but yeah. like, who was that? And then Tory Smith had that touchdown in the court. Yeah, I mean, it was re- it was a, it was as good a game as Nick Foles has played since the Chip Kelly era. Since he and, threw seven uh, seven touchdowns against the Oakland Raiders. And, I, you know, shout out to uh, the all-pro voters who put Harrison Smith in over Earl Thomas. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. I am shouting you out because you guys are go, lunatics. Go ahead and pat yourself Smith on the back. Smith got owned all game. It was just the Harrison Smith getting owned show in the NFC Championship game. Uh, and I saw Earl Thomas play against this Eagles team with Nick Foles, uh, with not Nick Foles, with Carson Wentz at quarterback. Things went differently. Shout out to the Harrison Smith cadre out there. Harrison and, and, and for the and for Thomas. the flip side of that argument, you know, we haven't seen Earl Thomas play against Nick Foles in this Eagles team. So, so maybe we have to reserve some judgment before we yeah, see Earl Thomas enough. go up against Nick Foles. Uh, no, we. Oh no, yeah, that's right. The one time we played the Chip Kelly era Eagles, they had Sanchez at quarterback. If yeah. I remember correctly, that was a joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean. Eagles looked really good. Uh, their pass protection was great, and Nick Foles did a great job moving around in the pocket, which is crucial. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they he, still don't have Jason Peters at left tackle. They have uh, uh, Vitae. Yeah. And it was it was not an issue against a really stout Minnesota pass rush. Yeah, Everson Griffin, uh, he didn't really make an impact in this game. We saw Nick Foles, too. You mentioned him in the pocket. He was climbing the pocket. Uh, yeah. He was getting grabbed by some Vikings defensive linemen, and he was moving through it and throwing the ball down the field. Uh, we, I think it was a play to Alshon Jeffrey where he uh, shed a shed an arm of a Viking and then threw it, you know, forty five yards downfield to a wide open Alshon Jeffrey. So, yeah. you know, as as good as Nick Foles was in in navigating through the pocket, the Eagles receivers were doing a great job of getting open. Terrence Newman, for the first time in years, looked his age. Uh, like we said, Harrison Smith was getting roasted all game, and so uh, if you're the Giants, you got to be feeling pretty good about having Pat Shermer come, come into your division yeah. with the Eagles. Ooh, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a well, good Pat matchup because the the Eagles offensive line has been good this year, and the Patriots defensive line doesn't have that elite pass rusher. Yeah, and so that should that should make for at least an interesting storyline in the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, the the Patriots, I mean, they do have that devil magic, like I mentioned, and Tom Brady and that 
cut on his thumb that everybody talked about during the week that didn't turn out to be huge uh, when we saw a picture yeah. of it. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm I wish I was more excited for the Super Bowl because I don't really particularly like any of these two teams. But Spike, mm-hmm. I think you have an interesting take on the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, get ready for this. Uh, here's why I look. I I don't I don't have anything against the Eagles in particular. Uh, when we did our crossover episode with Locked On Eagles, I was really impressed with Ben Solik's stats. You know, like they got a, they got some good fans out there. Oh, yeah. In addition to the garbage fans, and but but like at the end of the day, I am rooting for the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and here's why. Oh boy. The fewest number of fan bases that are happy makes me and my like pettiness happy. You know, if the Patriots win another Super Bowl, the Seahawks will still be the third most recent team to win a Super Bowl. If the Eagles win a Super Bowl, that's another NFC fan base that's happy before I am again. I'm a small, petty man. The New England fan base has no more capacity for joy. At this point, they just, like, if you talk to Pats fans, they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh." And it's annoying. It's smug. It's gross. But it can't get any worse. Philadelphia fans with a championship under their belt, I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to be in that world. As a petty, disgusting, low Seahawks fan, there is a big part of me rooting for the uh, rooting against the Eagles, rooting for the Patriots, despite the fact that I prefer this Eagles team in every possible way. Yeah, uh, Ben and Michael were great when they when they came <laughs> on our show. They they blew me blew us away. Uh, Kyle Newbecky writes with a Philly voice. Uh, he's a good friend. Joe Capadia. Yeah, no, there there are a lot of great people that uh, that write for and root for the and Eagles. And I want them to suffer. Yes, because you know what? We're putting ourselves first. That's what we have to do. You have to practice self-love, and, and sometimes that comes at the expense of other fan bases' happiness. And so I was talking to my brother after watching the, the end of the Patriots and Jaguars game, and I was like, what's another Super Bowl to the Patriots and Tom Brady? Ah. Like, it's, it's, it's nothing to them. So, like, yeah, if, if, if they win, it's like, all right, well, like, we kind of expected that. Like, it's just another year. Let's, you know, boot it up next time and, and see, it's, see if we can go at them again. But uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of uninteresting. Like you really have to like analyze the matchups and see where you know the game within the game to have more of a vested interest in it. Like I mentioned about the offensive line of the Eagles versus the Pats defensive line, you'll have to go through the game, and I'm sure there's gonna be there's gonna be noise and storylines created throughout the two weeks that we wait for the Super Bowl uh, to give us some more to uh, root for or against. Um, I think that that really does it for this part of the show. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to get back to you with our Locked On Network uh, NFL Awards. All right, we are back. Locked On Seahawks. Spike Friedman here alongside Grant Goldberg. Locked On Seahawks is part of the Locked On Network of Podcasts. And we are collectively voting on the Lockdown NFL Awards, which we will be announcing, I think, later this week, early next week. But we... We're not told to do this, but we're doing it anyway. We're going to describe our voting process on the air. We're going to go through the ballot with you guys, and we're going to start with the NFL MVP. Uh, Who do you got, Grant, for NFL MVP? The top candidates, of course, Tom Brady, Todd Gurley, Carson Wentz, Antonio Brown, and Russell Wilson. (laughs) Another option is Case Keenum. Yeah, Um, and Ben Roth, but uh, let's let's be real. All right, yeah. the the fan of me, the pure football fan, like I get mo- most joy out of watching like really good quarterback play and really good skill players. Uh, you know they show out, 
And so, like, I really like Antonio Brown. I think that he's maybe, you know, pound for pound the best football player, you know, on offense. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it's it's a league that's dictor- dictated by quarterback play. And I think the, the clear front runner to me is Tom Brady. And so that he gets my vote, you know, off the strength of his play and not my fandom. Like, I have to vote for, with my brain and not my heart. If I was voting with my heart, I'd go Russell Wilson or Antonio Brown. But that's not the case. I have to be objective. Yeah, I agree. I vote Tom Brady. I mean, he was a little weak down the stretch, and I don't know how that affects someone maybe looking at a Carson Wentz. Uh, although coming off of Nick Foles dominating the NFC Championship game, it's a little trickier to vote for Wentz on the basis of his sort of irreplaceability, which I think was some of his candidacy. Uh, what would you rather have, four sort of average to below average Tom Brady weeks or four non-Carson Wentz weeks? Also, I think just Brady, you know, he led the league, uh, He was or he was towards the top of the league in almost every statistical category, despite a little bit of uptick in interceptions down the stretch. Uh, they were the number one seed in the AFC, again, on the basis of his play. I, Tom Brady's sort of a no-brainer for me. I think you have to talk yourself into someone like a Todd Gurley or Antonio Brown. If Antonio Brown had played all the games down the stretch and had gotten to like 2,000 yards receiving, we could do that. Uh, and for our next award, Offensive Player of the Year, I will be doing that and going with Antonio Brown on the basis of the 14 games where he did play out of his mind rather than going with a Todd Gurley uh, personally, who I think is the other top option for offensive player of the year. Grant, who you got O P O T Y. All right. Well, see, those are my top two and, and Brown and Gurley, but in, in my life uh, there's well, and yours, cause there's, we both live in the Los Angeles area and there's an uptick in Rams fans. And while Gurley does have a strong case, like with his with his play down the stretch. You know, you look at the overall body of work this season, and and you got to give it to Antonio Brown. One, if you're a Seahawks fan and you have the Rams in your division, you're getting tired of them already, and yep. uh, you got you kind of just got to like move past what happened with the Steelers uh, a few years ago. So I'm going to go Antonio Brown, and we're going to move on to the next category. And that defensive next... player of the year. All right. So the, ca- the, the, the nominees are Clayus Campbell, Aaron Donald, Cameron Jordan, Demarcus Lawrence, Jalen Ramsey, and last, but certainly not least, and the earner of my vote, Bobby Wagner. Yeah. Now, now I'm, I'm, I stress objectivity in, yeah. in the MVP vote. No, but yeah, I get what you're doing. Yeah. I, we 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 pine for this all year. We there we is a the case. case. There is a case to be made for Bobby Wagner again, similar to the Antonio Brown one. Based on the fourteen games when he was fully healthy, there is a case to be made for him for Defensive Player of the Year, uh, given what he did at the middle linebacker position. That said, middle linebacker position, it's really tough. If you don't basically throw a perfect game, if you don't have sixteen sort of flawless games under your belt to be the defensive player of the year. For me, Wagner, oh man, it's so Aaron Donald and Clayus Campbell are the two for me that mm. you got to look at. Uh, Campbell, yeah, J- Jordan and Lawrence were both very good, but I think sack totals are not what I would normally give this award on unless someone got to like over 20. Jalen Ramsey, again, very good, but you're talking about a guy who might not even be the best cornerback on his own team. 
Campbell similarly benefited from the talent around him. That Jacksonville front four is really good. He's sort of the Michael Bennett of it, moving from inside to outside. But, like, I, I, I saw what Aaron Donald did. This I got to give it to Aaron Donald. He was crazy good. So I, I, think, I, I think for the case. Bobby like, Wagner. So it's Aaron Donald 2, Bobby. Or Aaron Donald 1, Bobby Wagner 2, Calais Campbell 3 for me. But Right, because Wagner, like you said about Calais Campbell, Campbell benefits from the talent around him. And he does make the talent around him better. But I think it's it's kind of kind of the opposite for Wagner, that he is kind of the safety net for everybody. He cleans a lot of stuff up. And he plays almost flawlessly when he's healthy. And so yeah, and I, I see your point about him. Uh, like he sort of sat out the game against the Rams. Uh, and it would have proved to be, you know, it, proved, it would have proved to help his case. And Aaron Donald, it's just a solid, flawless body of work for 16 games. Yeah, he was just living in the backfield. <laughs> it was crazy. He's yeah. crazy. All right. Uh, so all that, right. that's, Ooh, that's the defensive a- player of the year. Whoa, this is a great one. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Deshaun Watson, and Juju Smith-Schuster in Pittsburgh. All of which you can make a case for. Yeah, you really can. Oh, man. Uh, so, so, okay, I'll say that Kamara and Fournette, obviously, and Schuster for that matter, had the most success with their team. I think okay. if Deshaun Watson is healthy, obviously, he's the runaway candidate. I mean, Kareem Hunt made the playoffs too, right? Uh, but I'm t- I'm talking record and and uh, they they moved on. But uh, I think that you can't you can't factor in playoff uh, into yeah. voting, anyways. I t- I wipe Fournette and Smith Schuster off the board first. Right. Uh, Fournette's yards per carry weren't great. He got benched for a game, which was just weird. Smith Schuster was a very good wide receiver, but typically wide receiver production the rookie year is not comparable to what running backs can do, and that was very true this year. So it comes down to Kamara, Hunt, and Watson for me. Watson would have run away with this if he were healthy, but how many games did he end up starting? Six, seven, eight, something? I think think that it was seven. Because when did they play the Seahawks? Because that was his last game. Yeah, he played seven games. He only he played seven. He started six. Right. God, he was so good though. He was Ugh. he was absolutely. You QBR know, was eighty one point five. His traditional rating was one oh three. Nineteen touchdowns, eight picks. God, what a great half a season he right. had. And and it was kind of a tale of two halves for Kareem Hunt too. Um, yeah. He he absolutely tore the league apart. When the Chiefs were, you know, rolling and they were they were winning games, they were beating the Patriots. They were, they were. I think they had a six game win streak at one point, but then his his production kind of tapered off, and he, yeah. you know, he played like an average running back. And then during the uh, last couple of weeks of the season, he kind of, you know, picked it up a little I'm, bit. But I think I'm, I'm going to lean Alvin with, Kamara. I, yeah, exactly. What? A, what a, yeah, I, his yards from scrimmage were fifteen fifty four. He had eight hundred twenty six receiving yards. 728 yards on the ground at a 6.1 yards per carry rate. I mean, that's incredible. It's a bummer that Watson didn't play 12 games. I'd give it to him there, but it's starting six. You got to give it to Kamara. I think it's 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 sort of like the Joel Embiid discussion from last year in the NBA. Yeah. And he only played 31 games. But if he had played uh, maybe like 55 or obviously a full year, he's the runaway candidate. But uh, since, since Watson didn't play more than uh, seven games... I think we have to give it to Kamara because he was just the most dynamic piece 
uh, out of all the out of all the candidates, he was so awesome. He 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 and Mark Ingram were the engine of the Saints offense. So yeah, I yeah. so we both agree Alvin Kamara for offensive rookie of the year. And, so and I we, think defensive rookie of the year. I think we can immediately eliminate with apologies to them. T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, and Jamal Adams, who all had great years, and narrow it down to those top two cornerbacks who we've talked about some on this podcast before. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore and Tredavious White. Right. I'm actually going to select other and write in Shaq Griffin just because I've thrown wow. all objectivity out of the window. I've wow. done a full 180 from my MVP oh, vote. Wow. No, I'm uh, just kidding. Uh, oh. it, the <laughs> the, the uh, two top candidates, obviously, are Tredavious White from Buffalo and Marshawn Lattimore from New Orleans. Both cornerbacks, both excellent, playing like elite cornerbacks in their first year. And out of the two... I'm going to go with Lattimore. I am too. It's closer. Lattimore missed three games. Yeah. And like, that's enough to narrow the gap between these two guys. Tredavious Wade didn't, and he played incredibly well. But I mean, Lattimore, just what he did to that Saints defense, he just changed it. He just single-handedly, not single-handedly, Marcus Williams is there, but like, he really, he made, he made such a strong impact on what had been such a historically weak unit. I think you just got to give it to him. You know what? I, I might use the other portion of this uh, defensive rookie of the year voting to write in Marcus Williams just to make him feel better. Aww. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. So I'm, I'm typing of, it in. Coach of the year. We got Sean McVay, Mike Zimmer, Doug Peterson, Doug Marone, or Bill Belichick. Interesting. I hadn't really thought about Belichick. Yeah, uh, I mean... That's just. I'm just gonna give it to Sean McVay. I mean, yeah, Jared Goff looked competent. I don't. Know. We, we we saw what they did inside the division and and how. Yeah, uh, and if we're just if we're just looking at the regular season, I don't know. I think can. I think McVay gets it just for not being Jeff Fisher. Yeah. All right, but yeah, all the other candidates are deserving too. Um, you got Zimmer, what he did in Minnesota this year, Peterson, and. You know how he, you know, played with Carson Wentz when when they were healthy, and obviously they're moving on to the Super Bowl. Uh, Doug Marone flipped the Jaguars around, and obviously Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick. But we're gonna give it to McVay and move on to the next category, Executive of the Year. Yeah, uh, I'm not voting for any of these guys. The options on the table are Howie Roseman, Les Snead, Rick Spielman, Tom <laughs> Coughlin, David Caldwell. Uh, I don't really like any of these options. I mean. The moves that Philadelphia made were fine, but really what brought them over the top was the maturation of their quarterback and yes. then the quality of the scheming. The additions of Timmy Jernigan and, oh my God, uh, the Ronald Darby were good, but they weren't game-changing additions. Yeah, um, um, less need. I, I don't think they really brought in a whole ton of new talent. It was just kind of the maturation and, and more... And it was Wade, they brought in Wade Phillips, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, if we're doing this thing, I think uh, I don't give I, I it to think, Jacksonville either. Well, I mean, or, they brought in Campbell. Yeah, but like they just it. had money to spend. Yeah, and I think that's uh, going to be the same case next year for I'm, Rick Spielman I'm, in Minnesota. I'm writing in Mickey Loomis. Yeah, I mean, no, look that, at draft that draft was in, incredible. Obviously, you know, all right, this is where I, I joked about the objectivity and the bias, yeah. but John Snyder really did have a good year. Yeah. In, in finding replacements for all the injuries and, you know, setting them up with Bradley McDougal and they make a move for Sheldon Richardson after Malik McDowell's incident and they make moves for Dwayne Brown. And Ethan Postix, he, he did well. He Shaq Griffin, he played well. And 
really, really tough to give it to him. Oh, after, yeah. I'm saying that like, he deserves at least a little bit of credit. We talked about it all yeah. year. I, I'm sure the listeners well, and are familiar with it, He should have gotten it. A co- I would have given it to him a couple times in the past. problem is you use your first pick on a guy who doesn't see the field because of, like, a weird... It wasn't, like, a fluky... It is fluky, but it's not on the field fluke. It's such a weird situation um, and then Luke Jokel contract isn't great. You know, like, I, I just think, like, Mickey Loomis is the no-brainer for me. Yeah, um, no, you swayed my vote. Um, amazing. So th- for the next category, Special Teams <laughs> Player of the Year, obviously I'm writing in somebody. It's Nico Thorpe because he's oh, got no love respect. in any voting, not, not Pro Bowl, not All Pro. And so, you know, using the little bit of power that I have in this NFL lock. Locked on NFL Award survey, I'm going to give him some love. Okay, so I'm looking at the special teams players nominated. It's Greg Zerline, kicker for the Rams. Johnny Hecker, punter for the Rams. Farrow Cooper, returner for the Rams, who basically cost them a playoff game. And Justin Tucker, the kicker for Baltimore. You can't give it to a kicker that isn't Tucker. But Baltimore special teams unit wasn't as good as it normally is this year. There's a reason why three Rams are nominated. I'm giving it to Johnny Hecker. He's changing the game. He's the best punter in the league by far. Punting is more important than ever. Uh, I'm giving it to Johnny Hecker. Get off my, get off my, you know what? Most (laughs) improved player. Interesting. Goff, Wentz, Keenum, Thielen. All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock Thielen off the board. Yeah, because he was really good last year. He was good last year. Yeah. Yeah, And so it really comes down to Goff, Wentz, and Keenum. And I'm going to eliminate Jared Goff, too, because he did take strides and he did look better. But I'm going to credit McVay with a lot of that because at times he really did look like the mediocre quarterback that he was, that he wasn't last year. He wasn't even mediocre. And so Case Keenum deserves some love, but I think the the favorite for me is Carson Wentz. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jermaine Fetty. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, he had a... by far led a category in the NFL yeah, this year. Didn't see, and I did not see that coming. No, um, this is interesting. I feel like I don't know enough about, like, I feel like there's someone out there. I feel like, um, you know, like Miles Jack made a leap that I didn't quite notice, or Yannick and Gakwe. You know, like there's someone at like one of those more frisky defensive positions that I'm not thinking of. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Wentz is Wentz was not great last year, and he was great this year. So I'll give yeah. it to Wentz. Fine. Yeah, out of the categories and the lack of oh. thought. Ooh. And we're done. I thought we were going to get a comeback player of the year so we could all vote for Earl Thomas. I just want to say right now, I would vote for Earl Thomas for comeback player of the year if given the option. Yeah, no, we like we talked about like the little power we do have. We do not have the power to vote for uh, comeback player of the year. And that yeah. does it. That does it for our for our awards. If you liked who we voted for, if you have any disagreements, let us know. We're available. We like to talk to you guys. And yeah. so that does it for our show. You can uh, go on iTunes. You can leave that. You can leave that award talk in a review with five stars and your Twitter handle, and you can enter yourself to win a Pro Football Focus Edge membership. And I will say, you don't have to leave a Twitter handle in there just to re- leave a review. If you have any thoughts about the show, leave a review. If you want to compliment us or you know give us some constructive criticism, leave it in a review. Uh, if not, then uh, go ahead and talk to us on Twitter. But you can also play a draft. There's a lot of NBA games going on. It's a great, easy, fun app. It's super quick. You can use the promo code LONFL to get a free draft on your first visit. So take advantage of that. And Spike, I am done rolling through these ads. Great.
You did good, kid. You did <laughs> good. You. I'm trying to be fast, more efficient, and also informative. So uh, leave a review if you have anything to say about my ad rolls. Uh, but yeah, that does it for the Locked on Seahawks podcast. So I am Grant Goldberg signing off. And I'm Spike Friedman also signing off.